everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League Podcast, a show released on Valentine's Day, the most romantic day of the year, and yet myself, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard are still here discussing the latest in non-league football. That's dedication for you, and a lie actually, as this is one of our Tuesday recorders, not because I'm some sort of hopeless romantic, I'm away on Wednesday, so made it a bit difficult. It's just a huge coincidence that one of the gifts I bought for my other half's birthday back in November happens to be on Valentine's Day. Anyway, I've been on and on about whether Matt Gerrard is going to be lavishing Mrs Gerrard with gifts or if he's one of these who hates the commercial card company invented red fest that is Valentine's Day. On reflection, I'm going for the latter. How are you, Matt? Not bad. Uh, we do not exchange cards, so from that point of view. So, uh, but again, as I say every year, every day is like Valentine's Day if you're married to me. Boom, boom. Uh, from that point of view, but we did go out for a curry at the weekend, so it's nice from that point of view. And also, well, last time I went for a curry, not with you, John, I went out with one of my mates, uh, and basically all he did, as all he keeps mentioning, is that I nicked his naan bread all the time. So, uh, of course, a bit more classy, Mrs. Gerard, rather than some of my mates. So that's, uh, and that was a very nice, uh, very nice curry, but uh, we will not be uh, uh, exchanging love heart chocolates or anything like that, you see. So, uh, yeah, so every day's Valentine's Day. You're married to me. Well, exactly. And, and funny, if you mentioned when we went out for a curry, um, I don't know if you've seen uh, in the local news lately, the curry house that we went to on the Kent Non-League podcast curry night has been the news for some illegal workers. So um, I, I think they're still open. They're just a bit short, short-staffed these days. But it was a very nice curry, though. So, uh, well, again, okay. you can't really sort of um, comment about that. But uh, we went to the Turkish as well, and that was very nice as well. We have to think of somewhere else to go, maybe next time we're in there. Uh, Recording it of an evening. Yeah, I, I suppose it's one of those things. What do you what do you prefer that they've got all their papers in order that they can cook a cracking curry? It's it's, it's really up and down, isn't it? Well, it, it, what's wrong with this country? Really, surely curry is the most important thing in this country that uh, should be doing to feed myself rather than uh, from that. But I'm sure I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it. But that's uh, from that equation from the uh, the customs people. But again, we would recommend that curry place if you're in Hampshire. We certainly would. Um, this is the 29th episode of the show, and I've been racking my brains all week for something, but no, I've got nothing about the number 29, so I've decided to dedicate the show to Fabian Brandy and Ross Lafayette, who are the only Kent non-league players currently wearing 29. Um, Brandy is also 29 years old as well, so double bubble for him, um, and I'm sure we'll be discussing Lafayette very soon. Anyway, it's been a busy week as always, and despite some very seasonal weather, um, including at the moment, actually, as it's chucking it down here, um, there's plenty of action for us to discuss. We will start with where I was on Saturday, a wet and windy Southwood where Cray Wanderers were the visitors. It was a pretty even first half. In fact, you might even say that Ramsgate had shaded it and they'd had a goal disallowed with what looked like a very tight offside call against Roy Smith. But then, quick as a flash, the visitors were 2-0 up right at the end of the half. The first goal was by Michael Power, following up after a shot had been saved. And then some naive Rams defending cost them dearly as they failed to clear their lines and eventually Brandon Scott fired home. After the break, the Rams got one back when Mitchell Nelson was caught in possession and Alfie Paxman set up Smith to score. But when Lee Dawson was sent off, I really thought the Rams had a chance of getting a point. But Cray saw the game out well and secured three points which took them back to the top of the league. The biggest scare was when Paxman went to ground in the box under what looked to be a shove. But instead he was booked for diving, much to the relief of Cray. It was their first win in four games in stark contrast to their previous win, which was the 9-1 win over Ashford. So that was my first point to boss Tony Russell. They'd ground a win out there. Yeah, hard place to come, really hard place, obviously conditions as well wasn't ideal and sort of made our sort of style of play a little bit tricky but, you know, we we pride ourselves on being able to um, adapt and, you know, I thought, 
they're the sort of results that really, Gabby, you know, there was good scenes after, which usually we don't over-celebrate really, but we were pumped about that, you know, to hold on as well. It was a good, it was a good day all round. It's one of those ones, isn't it, where you, if you do go on and have success in the season, you look back at a day like this and think it was cold, wet, horrible at Ramsgate, but we managed to come away with three points. Yeah, I said this to Vinesy, like literally 25 minutes to go, 2-1, down to 10 men. They have momentum. We look, I said to Vinesy, you know, we'll find out about the boys now. You know, We'll find out what we've got. And you're not always going to control games. You're not always going to have it your own way. And, and when things don't go your way, you've got to dig in. And I thought, to, to be fair... Once we went down to 10 men, I don't remember them really having any chances. If I look at it, really, I mean, if it was us who had the chances, our junior with the goalkeeper and Shaggy. And so I was proud of the boys that we are labelled as obviously a good footballing side, but I think we showed a different side to us today. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You, you did dig in, and, and a lot of people, I've heard people saying you played probably better with 10 men than you did with 11, the way you, that you sort of handled it. That's what I mean, it galvanised us. It seemed to galvanise. We sort of. Um, Went 2-0 up and we cruised it for the second half, really. And then Mitch has made a big mistake for the goal, which we spoke about half-time not to do, and he's gone and done that. And then, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do something, you've got, you've got, to have, you've got so many elements of a good side. You can have good players, good, you've got to have good characters, and you've got to have some good togetherness. And I think, you know, I think we showed that. If people wasn't here, who, who was here today, it maybe wasn't as fluid, fluid as we normally are, but... In terms of grit and determination, I think it was as good as anyone that, that you'll see this this season. Back to the top of the league, and, and the challenge now is to stay there, isn't it? Yeah, I said that to the boys there. I said, you know, we went 25 games unbeaten, <clears throat> and then we lost, and it's, it rocked us a little bit. We, we, we put on a friendly on Wednesday against Beckenham, and it sort of we started that game quite slow, and then it sort of freed us up, and we played really well, went on to win quite convincingly, but it's just loosened us up, and I thought today we took that into the day. This is a hard place to come. I think Lewis has come here and lost. There's a few teams come here and not got results. You know, the managers get some well organised and up for it and they stick the ball in the box and, you know, they get round you. It's a great test for us and, as I say, we'll take a lot from that. Quite a lot of chat about the, the incident towards the end. Did you think it was a penalty? When, was your heart in your mouth? When, no, when to be down? honest with you, I, I didn't. I personally didn't. I thought he checked <clears throat> and lost his foot. I don't think he dived, though. I thought, I thought the ref got that wrong. But when, when you hear referees... When someone goes down and you hear the referee's whistle, you you do worry. And I must admit, I was quite happy to see his arms point the other way rather than ads. But um, I, did, I personally didn't think it was a penalty. And uh, you both got a talking to from the ref, both, both managers. He seemed to be a bit officious, didn't he? No, I, I spoke to him after actually because I, I, I was really confused because I actually was just talking to him. I didn't actually say. He had a word with their bench because they were going at me a little bit, a couple of decisions, I don't know. And I said, as long as. They don't referee this game. I sort of just insinuate that they don't influence it. And he sort of made a big thing out of like, back at school. We've marched me this side, and he marched over. <laughs> he was funny because when he marched me over, he just said, "Oh, you know, I just want, I, I want to seem fair. I've just spoke to him, so I better speak to you." So he sort of, sort of didn't really say anything to me, rather than just he, he felt he had to speak to me because he, he spoke to their manager. So um, I thought I didn't think the ref was that bad. I mean, I know they wasn't overly happy with it, but I, I thought I thought it was all right. I, I didn't think it was that bad. 12 games left, do you have a points target in mind or are you just going to go out there and win as many as you well, can? Well, at the beginning of the season, the total was 100 points, 100 games. You know, 100 goals, sorry. That was the target. Um, you know, let's just, just keep going. I, I, I honestly feel the way we are as a side, when we get our confidence up and the way we play, we're very hard to play against. So we need to really build off this. Massive game next week against Cole Shorten, which is my friend, the manager, Peter Denny. I've known him a long time. We play very similar football, so it should be an absolute cracker on a, on a, on a, on a 3G surface. It's got all the making. So we go there and <clears throat> find form, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
Tony Russell there, Matt, he's obviously very happy. They're back top of the league and, and I get the feeling that they needed that win. There, there was certainly a sense of relief from him. Yeah, I was just going to say, he, he seemed a very relieved man. A 9-1 win, of course, made confidence. I think they played the Lewis game after that and lost that. So confidence had gone down a bit. Good to see that he sort of arranged a sort of a, sort of a friendly against another club. Just to get the players' confidence going up from there. And as you know, Ramsgate is a tough old place to go, particularly in the conditions it was at the weekend. So a good result there. I think they're pretty confident that they can go on and get one of those top two uh, promotion places. And I, and I did like the... What he said, the aim of the start of the season was 100 points and 100 goals. He sounds like a good manager to work for if that's what he's aiming for. Because they do play some good football and they do know where the back of the net is as well. And grinding out wins when they look back again at the end of the season, they'll prove the back of that's maybe a turning point. So, um, and what did you think of the quality of the standards of the football job? Um, well, I mean, I've seen Craig before and obviously I've been really impressed with him. They're a really good side, but it wasn't an easy place to play. The pitch wasn't the best and the wind was strong and it was raining a lot. It, was, it wasn't it was a great game of football, but Craig did exactly what they had to do. They knew what they were going to get from Ramsgate. They knew it was going to be difficult conditions and they went down there and they ground a result out. And, and you know, they did pretty well. And, and as you heard me say to Tony Russell, as I was leaving the, the, um, the stand after the game, I was kind of walking behind some Cray board members and they were all saying, you know, we played better with 10 men. And, and that is a kind of testament to Cray and to Tony Russell that they just dug in there because you can't win 9-1 every week. They're obviously a bit low on confidence because they've been free without a win. But to go there and just the way that they stuck at it and made sure that Ramsgate didn't really have any clear-cut chances, to be honest. You know, there was the slip by Mitchell Nelson, which let Ramsgate get back into the game. But they just... They were just so solid. There was there was no way that Ramsgate were getting through, and it was job well done for Cray. I was really impressed with them. Uh, a, sign, a sign of champions, I think, mate, or maybe at least a promoted side from that. They can dig it out down the ten men. Shows shows the character of the players. You know, it's very easy when you make one up sort of from that point of view, and the confidence goes through the side. But grinding it out with the red cards, Ramsgate have got some good strikers. You mentioned Paxman, mentioned Smith in there, who are good players at that level. So. That's probably a more satisfying than winning nine one at home is he's grinding out a result there. And that's gotta build on that again now and move on on um when the games have got left twelve or so games to go. They should be comfortable enough to, to get to get promoted. The Corinthian casuals aren't too far behind. So look at that that result against uh, Ramsgate and that was a big three points for them. It's one of those, isn't it? I mean, obviously they're top of the league, but the teams behind them have got games in hand. And now you get to that point of the season, you know, even though it's it's mid-February, there's, they've got 12 games left, Cray. Would you rather have the points on the board or have the games in hand? Because when you've got to be playing a lot of games Saturday, Tuesday, and some in some cases it will go into Thursdays as well, you do worry about that fatigue. But Cray are there. They're saying, look, we're here. Yeah, if you win your games in hand, you'll be above us. But the, and, and the other thing that still remains is the likelihood that on the average points thing, whoever finishes third may be automatically promoted as well, but that's something for another day. But I think you'll at this stage of the season, if you've got the points on the board, you're happier than someone who's going to be facing a lot of games playing catch-up. Yeah, I think so. I didn't realise how top it is at the top of that division. You're down to Walton on 63 with a game in hand as well. So it's normally a quite a tight division as well, you have to say. But yeah, points in the... It's very easy to say you've got, you know, I've got three games at hand, but you've got to win those three games at hand. You won't be working too much Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, so you won't be working too much on the training ground. But I'm thinking you've got points in the bag, they're more important because these teams will slip up. There's probably a good likelihood they're going to be playing against one each other in the top six as well. So uh, there will be points dropped in there, and Cray have got those points in the bag at the moment. 
Exactly. And what of Ramsgate? Well, I spoke to Lloyd Blackman before the game and your work colleague's husband, Kev Barron, Matt, who I'm delighted to say is back to full health. Um, and the general consensus that results aren't quite reflecting performances for the young Rams. And after watching them in action Saturday, I've got to agree. They've only picked up two points in nine games since they beat Lewis. But you wouldn't have thought it from the way they played on Saturday. After the game, I caught up with Lloyd again, and as we avoided the awful rain, we took shelter in the physio's room, which sadly puts very close to the usual god-awful music that blares out of dressing rooms. But we said a good chat, which started with me asking if he was frustrated with a few refereeing decisions on the day. Yeah, I think so. That's um, I'm not going to sit here publicly and and, uh, and 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 should we say you know go against the referees, but um, I thought there were a few decisions there that were. Uh, it didn't go our way, um, to politely put it. So, um, decisions that can win and lose your games, um, and that's uh, that's what we've ended up with here today. I suppose also you'll look back at some a very disappointing couple of minutes right at the end of yep. the first half. I mean, yeah. the, the second goal particularly, you're going to be frustrated with that one. Yeah, the second one was uh, an area I felt we were in possession. Well, not in. They hit us on the counter. We know that they got two very quick wingers. We know what they're like. Um, you know, we managed to deal with the first phase from defensively and then um, a hacked clearance has ended up coming back off one of our own players and falling to them in the box and he's just sort of um, it's you know it's areas like that you need a little bit more quality and composure and that's uh, and that's been the difference today results as it's shown but we'll look at the positive side because the team who've just gone back top of the league were desperately holding on to that ball in the corner the last couple of minutes desperately holding on um, committee members of them board members players they got out of jail that's their words, not mine. Um, Whiteley said the same last week, and it's the same. And like you say, when you get when you're down there in the situation where you cut, you can't help but think, you know, how many black cats have we run over, how many ladders have we walked under, how many drains have we walked on. You, you just gotta. But you, you saw the endeavour from the players. Let's keep it. You know, there's, they went out there, they won the second half, and should have gotten. You know, unlucky not to get anything out of the game. I think this is the thing, isn't it? Everyone I speak to around here is saying you're playing better than the results and you've yeah, just got to get the results. Well, it's just, yeah, that's it. I mean, you've just witnessed here with your own eyes. Um, we've played a team that have now gone top of the league. Um, we've had them frightened the life out of. Um, um, and it's just, like you say, uh, the results just don't go our way. That's, it's, uh, you know, just fine margins. And it's, uh, yeah, very frustrating. Generally, then, what's the aim for the rest of the season? Just to pick up as many points you can. Yeah, give these young lads experience. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. The, you know, the experience, the Billy Mondays today, played against you know, the Billy Mondays, and even you know, we can still talk about the Alfies, Alfies the Rorys. Um, you know, Charlie Dickens is still young. Um, the goalkeeper is still young, and we're looking at it. And, and you know, they're only going to they're only going to make them stronger in the longer over the longer period. So. Um, you know, the short term, the targets where we are is to make sure that we take game at a time and get ourselves back. We need to come back to the basics as we've done, and the results just haven't gone our way. And, and, but uh, we'll we'll keep working. And uh, Roy Smith, I thought he looked a handful today. How much has he gained out of his experience at Aberdeen? Yeah, of course. He's he's a kid. Um, still, lots of things, little, little things in his games that he can work on. Um, but you can see the raw ability the kid's got. He's a fantastic touch, fantastic technique. Um, gets himself in the right areas um, and he's a handful for centre-halves and you know he, uh, 
another good performance today. He's, he's obviously gone away with the Aberdeen thing. I think it took him a couple of weeks to get his feet back on the ground, but um, we know what a quality player he is, as well as others are within the in the group. And if they keep showing that work rate and endeavour, then it won't be long before they pick results up. It's that decision making, isn't it? I know at the end you were frustrated when you tried to beat someone rather than just put the ball. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what yeah, he has to learn. Yeah, that, that's it. Um, yeah, he's like you say, he's he's got such such sharp movements. Um, in areas on the edge of the box, he does a trick, he gets half a yard, fine. Um, I can pick many a times he's done it this season. But he's on the halfway line and he's got someone squared up. He doesn't need to do anything. just needs to get it out of his feet and shift him because his centre of gravity and his ability to shuffle and shift is, is you know, he's, he's technically he's very, very good. Um, he doesn't need to do a step over on the halfway line. He's already beaten the guy as soon as he's knocked it past him. So little things like that, you know, that's, that's, that's one example. Um, but uh, as I said, he's um, yeah, he's, he's he's certainly a special talent. All of your front three, if they when yeah. they're all going, yeah, you know, course, it's, course. it's so exciting. To they're watch. always they're always a handful. Um, they haven't got their rewards. They've you know there's only been I think they only scored two or three goals I think in the last or three or four goals in the last sort of four five six games or whatever it be. Um, but as I said, you know, people like yourself come down here and watching, and you can understand the noise. That's like how you know how are they not picking up the results. And when performances like that, it will, it will change. But that's what happens when you get stuck in a little rut. That's sort of just the way it goes. And just finally, you got Herne Bay away on Saturday, yep. another place where the pitch isn't going to be the best, yep. and they're a good yep. young side yeah. as well. So it's a really good yeah. game. Yeah, of course it will. Yeah, you know, they're, they're having a they're having a, a decent season. To be fair to them, I was up watching them at home uh, at Hyde last week. Uh, they're a, a, a good a good attacking outfit. Um, John and Jermaine have got them playing some decent stuff, and uh, yeah, that should, should be a good counter. There's a lot, derbies; they're always they're always they're always good. So uh, yeah, we'll look forward to it. Although we're, as I said, results, and it's you look at it, I think probably bottom the form guide to be honest. But um, the players give me everything like that. They've always got a chance. The players still believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you know, you're probably best off asking them. <laughs> um, but I think if you look at the second half performance, and they've come back in the changing room and they've given everything, and they're and they're as puzzled as we are as how things just aren't falling for us. Um, I use the example that last year when we took over, everything sort of fell for us, and it sort of paints a picture that wow, right, and then all of a sudden things don't fall quite fall your way, and you don't get the penalty decisions, which in my eyes is the most blatant penalty you've ever seen. Um, you know the goal, which was clearly onside because he's pulled him as he's run around the front of him. You can't, you can't sort of, you know, those things maybe have gone for us last year. We'd have walked away with a three-two victory against the team, top of the league, and you've gone great. Now all of a sudden today, those things don't go your way. You lose two-one, and everyone sort of paints a picture that's not quite as accurate as the performance suggests. You can understand his frustration there, Matt, can't you? You know that they've given a really good shift and. He thinks that they should have had a penalty right at the end, but he still remains positive about what his team can do. Well, I think he's got to remain positive. The run they've been on isn't good. Um, 19th position in the league. Maybe they're probably where, where they probably should be with the young side they've got. He's done a decent job since he's been in there. So, of course, there may be pressure on the board to, to maybe make a change, but I think he's brought players on. Smith as well. I've heard some good reports about him. Uh, um, so yeah, again, it's all we've mentioned about that Sydney Morning teams. Ramsgate probably at their level. You know, a couple of years, ago, well, a few years ago, they were Ryman Premier, and nearly knocking on the door of the, of the national group. Sort of the heyday for that Ramsgate, but they've gone down a different route. The younger, more uh, hungrier players from uh, academies, such as Dover, etc., like that. So they've got to get stick with Lloyd Blackman. Hopefully, he's not under pressure. But you know, he seemed upbeat in their point. He puts more pressure on himself when he looks at the results from that point of view. So he's got to keep it going. And the results, hopefully, 
and the performances was there on Saturday. Hopefully, they can turn into three points. Well, they're another team, aren't they, that have sort of got a free hit because you know they're in a twenty-four team division. Only one team's going down, so this is a, this is the best year to blood these youngsters. And you know that the the pressure will come next season when these most of these players have got a year's experience under their belt. If they can hit the ground running and make a good start, then everything will be fine. If they have a slow start when they're in a twenty-team division where there's going to be three relegation places, probably then the pressure will come, you know, because then it will be a case of, well, you've had the chance to build up these players. You had a free hit last season and it's not really working. And I thought what was really interesting there was Lloyd Blackman made a brilliant start last season. And he said to me that, you know, last year, everything was falling for us. This year, nothing's falling for us. And it is one of those things, you know, it does it even itself out. And, and in his his case, it seems to that it was brilliant last year, not so good this year. And he'll be hoping that next year things will fall for his side. And that, you know, it, it's, it's the age old thing. If you can finish the season well this time around, there's no reason why you can't go into the next season full of confidence. And again, it'll be an open division next year. So Ramsgate... You know, th- th- yeah, they'll be disappointed. Uh, they are in a, in a in a stinky run of form, and I mean, only the fact that Shoreham are, are so gloriously inept is is probably keeping them from looking over their shoulders. But ultimately, you know, th- th- they're in a good place. They've used this season well, given that there is only one relegation spot, and they haven't over- gone overboard on the budgets. They're probably in quite a good position, I'd imagine, looking to next year. Yeah, I think they are. Lloyd Blackman's first job in. In, in football management, he had a decent career at a decent level. Of course, there is managers out there who may be looking at Ramsgate jobs. I think going to come in because the new managers have been sacked in the rhyme in the Bostic South. So, yeah, I think they're in a good position. I'm hearing good reports, particularly of Smith and Paxman, that they could be a basis for Ramsgate to work with. Do you think they could play at a high level, John? It was interesting. I mean, you heard we'd have heard me ask Lloyd Blackman there about Roy Smith and and him having the experience at Aberdeen that he's just had, and and you, you can tell they. I mean, it wasn't the 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 easiest place to showcase your form, but I do like all three of the of their front three. So I like Tom Chapman as well. I think he's a really good player um, who was playing on the right and and Paxman. You know, I think I don't think there's any reason why. You know, if if you've got that sort of raw talent, I think Smith's a case in point. I don't think he's been playing football for that long, as I understand it. I mean, he's uh, Tom Chapman's cousin. And as I understand it, he just sort of turned up for for a kick around in the summer, thinking oh, I've got, you know, I might be able to make it. And as soon as he turned up, they sort of took one look at him and said, "Yeah, we want to sign you." So he's still very new to sort of playing competitive men's football at this level. And it could be a bit like Harry Smith, who you know was at that level and looked okay, never looked exceptional, was never top of the goal scoring charts necessarily, but. With uh, playing with better players and having better players all around them, I don't think there's any reason why Roy Smith certainly couldn't make it, it certainly have, have a stab at getting in the league. He's, he's still got plenty of time on his side. And, and Alfie Paxman as well, you know, he's he's a very good player. And, and get every minute that he gains playing for Ramsgate will play in his favour. And I, I do think he, maybe not into the Football League, but I certainly think he can have a, a good career at the top of non-league. Yeah, I think the reports I've got from these players, again, they're raw, talented. Lloyd Blackman's seen something in it, he can work with him. He was a centre-forward in his day or a striker. Anyway, so he can work with them. Again, we're not trying to sell Hamsgate players from that point of view, but Rory Smith is one of these players that's been flagged up to me what a player he could be and as Paxman. These Ramsgate get some results. You've got to make sure their confidence doesn't drop as well. Losing games, are you start losing the, you know, your hunger and appeal for it, for that game, particularly in the conditions they're playing at the moment. Just sort of, Get back on the horse, Rams go. Hopefully, they can pick, start picking up some results. But again, I don't think the only one that need, you don't need any knee jerk reaction as well from the higher ups. Rams go, 
particularly well run off the club, and I'm sure they can see where they're going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember that, that I think they certainly have moved in the right direction. I do remember when uh, Tim Dixon was sacked and the chairman realised he'd made such a bad mistake, he resigned the next day. So uh, I think those days are behind them and, and, you know, great people down at Ramsgate. It was lovely to go down there and have a chat with some people and, and see them all. And, and, you know, I look forward to seeing them again. I'm going to go and see them when they're at City Morning in the rearranged game, which is next month, I understand. And I feel we should come back to the music as well there, Matt, because we've discussed it before. But the volume of this and the quality of the stuff from both dressing rooms on Saturday was disturbing. I can kind of understand pre-match playing a bit of music to get in the zone ahead of the game. But why after the game as well do they have to blare out all this loud nonsense? Yeah, that's a good point. It's just boom, boom, boom sort of style music. Again, probably you just want to relax after the game, get your head thoughts together. Yeah, um, elsewhere in that division, VCD had a great 3-1 win at, at Greenwich, while um, Hive hit Shoreham for six. Faversham drew 1-1 at East Grinstead. Thames, picked up a point at Guernsey. There were defeats for Ashford at Hastings and Phoenix lost 5-2 at home to Whiteleaf. Sittingbourne were washed out again, as were Herne Bay. Um, this weekend, as we already heard, leaders Cray host Carl Shorten. Um, Herne Bay take on Ramsgate. Faversham at home to free score in Whiteleaf. Hyde travel to Hastings. Phoenix go to Horsham. Thamesmead take on Ashford. VCD host Guernsey. And Sittingbourne hopes to avoid a fourth call-off in a row at home to East Grinstead. And the Bostick Premier, Margate's excellent form continued as Kane Hazeman's goal was enough to uh, to secure a 1-0 win at Brighton City Regent. While Tommy James has also claimed three points as they beat Staines 2-1. Folks in Victor lost 3-2 at Worthing, with both their goals scored by Johan Terhorst, who is back at the club after leaving Maidstone. Matt, some really interesting comments from Jay Saunders on that one. I don't know if you've seen them, but um, he suggested that Tehorst fell short on the physical side of things at the Gallagher this season. Because obviously he played for Folkestone many years ago when he was a young lad at men's football and then went to Hull and sort of played in the under-23s, under-21s, and now being put back into men's football, I think he kind of struggled with, with that aspect of it. J- Jay Saunders has said, you know, we haven't got space for him at the moment, sent him back to Folkestone, but may look at, it, look at him again in the future. But it's a really interesting point, that one, isn't it? Are these young players better off playing men's football in non-league or playing under-23 football elsewhere? Yeah, I think he had the same sort of issue. I think he went on loan to York, I think it might have been, um, last season. I think he's lasted about a week in the thing and they, they sent him back. And when I've seen him play, you know, he's got all the attributes of a player, can go past a player, but he is very, very weak. He played against Dover on the New Year's Day game and against the likes of Galafuco, Essam and Parry. Unless he can get that yard of space in front of him, he's always going to be bullied off the ball. Ryman Premier and Ryman South, clearly he's probably at that level that he can score goals. He's got two at the weekend. And yeah, it is interesting. I'm sure um, he's quite an intelligent lad. He, he made a decision to go up to Hull under 20. You see a lot of these players who sort of go into under 20 teams and just out of the game. He's going to come back in. Neil Cudley will put an arm around him and um, and go from there. And I'm sure score goals for folks and probably a good signing for them to try and push them up and make secure that player position. But from what I've seen of him and what I've seen of other players who come down from academy football, under 23 football, it's such a big jump down into you know, non-league football when it can be, you know, it means something to some of these players. That if you win in matches, Premier football probably doesn't mean a great deal at all, really. So I'm sure he got a good grounding at, at Hull because he's, he's technically he's a very good player, but he does need to bulk up a bit. And he, he's not the biggest lad in the world, so yeah, it's just disappointing it hasn't worked out for him because you know I, I, I hope because you know he's come from Folkestone. I hope he, he would work out and score goals. East Kent, there's not many players who go on to a decent career, and I thought well, he could have been one of them, but maybe going into the rough and ready Ryman or Bostick Premier League, that could probably um, secure him a bit more, and we need to see what happens to him in the summer, if um, 
if he moves on to another club. But again, it's just disappointing for the lad at the moment. Yeah, this weekend, Margate are home to Burgess Hill, folks are not home to Wingate and Finchley, while Tom Rangers go to Merstham. Gate then go to Leeson on Tuesday, while on Wednesday night, Folkestone are at home to Billericay. Um, talking to Johan's horse, that brings us on to Maidstone. Then three new faces for them this week. Dean Beckwith, Ross Lafayette and Blair Turgut. They drew 2-2 in the derby at Saturday. Beckwith sent off. Um, good result for a team that's been struggling of late to go to Bromley and get a point. Two good, well, three really good signings. Beckwith is his second yellow from what I saw from the highlights. Lafayette. I really rate Lafayette. I think he's a, a very good player. Doesn't probably score as many goals as he should do, but his teamwork, his holding on the ball, the harrowing of defenders, I think is up there. He was a good player for Dover last season, and I've seen him for Welling as well. Welling was a bit more prolific, but he, for link-up play, um, he's a good signing for, for, for Maine. So very similar to Sam York, but again, I think he's a bit more mobile, more of a team player. Well, Turgut, again, a lot of Kent size, looked at him. Stevenage went to him in the summer. Didn't work out, went to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, Seem to have a, loads of players. They brought him very, very let him go. That's a cracking signing. Very similar to, to Lozer and Hines. He's got that little bit of magic. Good goal of the weekend. So he's done some good business, Jay, Jay Saunders, in the um, in the transfer market. They probably might have to increase the budget, but he's got three players that really strengthens that side, that squad because when I was looking at it, I mentioned it on the last couple of pods. I, just, I thought their squad looked weak, but they're three real good additions now. And they're now... A good result against Romilly. Now they've got to follow it up with their home form and get some tough games coming up for them. But I think, um, yeah, it shows what... I'm sure Jay Saunders is um, quite pleased the board have backed him there. Because they won't be cheap, those players, but they are National League standard players and that's what Maidstone needed. They re- they really did. And, and I say that I think that 2-2 draw, as, as we both said already, really, really good result. Because Bromley are still flying high. They're, they're a form team. And, you know, people would have probably looked at that one if you didn't know a lot about the league and thought, well, Bromley should stroll that. Because Bromley are, are high up. Maidstone not playing well, a bit further down the table. But, you know, Maidstone stuck at it. And, and to come away with a point, Jay Saunders will be really pleased. And it was also a good weekend for Ebbsfleet as they ended their Barham on with a much-needed 1-0 win over Solihull Moors. But it was the same score down at Crabble and it didn't go in in our favour as Dover lost 1-0 to Sutton. Same old story, was it? Yeah, at the moment. Dover haven't really played, you know, I'm talking with my fan head, I haven't played well, I don't think, since about November time. Way against Hartlepool. Hartlepool were pretty dreadful in December when they won 4-0, they've been. But there's too many players who I think are a bit too weak in these conditions where you need to sort of man up. You need to be stronger in the challenge. Sutton United bullied Dover. Dover are normally the side that bullies opponents. Sutton were the better side throughout the game, I thought. Um, should have been a few goals up at our time. Mitch Walker had an absolute blindery goal. But Dover kept a minute. They scored. Um, Dover huffed and puffed. Didn't really create that many chances. And then we went down to 10 men. Sutton really impressed me even more because they got themselves really organised. Two bags of four. Said to Dover, break us down. And then I said it was in the commentary of this game, you know, that they had half an hour, Dover, to break them down. 70 minutes, due to see it, they're not going to break them down. Dover doesn't have the guile, the creativeness, all the set, all the forwards, I think, to get the, the um, to break sides down at this current moment in time. So, uh, and I don't know where Dover are really going to go. There's been a bit of a, on, on the day before, and people saying, oh, maybe they're at their level or maybe they overachieved earlier in the season. Maybe so. Home form hasn't been good. I have had a lot of home games on the spin. Going away this weekend may work to their favour if they're playing on the counter attack. But and they just need they just need a, uh, some fresh impetus. Might, I think they're desperate for a little bit of um, new players coming in just to liven the squad up from that point of view and see where they go from here. Chris Kinnear 
very, very regimented. I'm never going to, we're not going to criticise it. Very regimented. But you've got seven out of that, six, seven out of that 11 players who've played, five have played every single game. Two of them have just missed one. So very, very regimented in any ways. Would he change formation? Probably not. But I just need to freshen it up. At the moment, ninth place is the lowest league. They've been in the league since August. And you, when you think about it, in November, they were top of the table for a while. It's just a little bit frustrating. And they just got to somehow get out of this hole. So, um, at the moment, I can't see. They're not performing well. They just they look low in confidence, I think. And, obviously, we did a Twitter poll last week after our conversation about uh, Ryan Bird. And 68% of people agreed with me and said that um, scoring goals is enough for a striker. But you sent me a pretty damning stat about Ryan Bird's form in the league. Um, which suggests he's not even scoring goals at the moment. No, he's got two goals in 15 games. He's got as many yellow cards now. I'm, I'm not going to bash him the way through, but I think he should do more. To me, Lafayette, I think, is, is a better player than Bird. Because, you know, Lafayette he probably get you 10, 12 goals a season. But what he brings to the play, his hold-up play, uh, you know, his link-up play is better than Bird. You know, Bird had a good start to the season, but we need to see more from him. When it's, you know, Dover were pummeling the balls into the bar, and you've got Jamie Collins there, a good defender at that level. They just wanted the ball more than that. So, you know, I don't want to turn it into a Ryan Bird bashing exercise, but I think Dover needs something to come in. He's played every single game, Bird. Maybe he's looking a little bit tired. A lot of his goal come after the 17th minute mark. Well, if you look at his stats, maybe they've got a Larby in there. If Kinnear trusts the Larby, eventually they've got to trust him. At the moment, they're not. For me personally, I'd probably rest Bird, give a Larby a go. If Larby can't do it, then you've got another issue. But Larby down the middle, got 20 goals this season. Got to give him a go sooner rather than later because you're paying decent money for him at Chris Kinnear's. And maybe that will free up his confidence a little bit. But it's just not working out at the moment. And I say, I need more for my striker and that's not happening. Well, there you go. 32% of people are wrong. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about Dover strikers, former Whites and Bromley striker Jake Reed has announced his retirement this week. Uh, another one who it never really worked out for at Dover, but my best and, and to be fair, only memory of him is him scoring a last-minute equaliser in an FA Trophy tie against Bath City a few years back to earn a replay and render my trip to Crabble completely and utterly pointless from a newspaper point of view. I was there to do a match report because uh, Sam Ingsoll was on holiday, do a match report, get an interview, job done. But... Uh, it was only about ten minutes from time that I thought if this is a if this goes to a replay, I am screwed. I've wasted my day because any quotes I get are going to be a waste of time, and um, because they'll be outdated by the time the paper comes round. And lo and behold, Jake Reed popped up and and that replay. But he, he's been struggling with injuries this year, and and he's called it a day, Matt. That is probably his only goal for Dover. He, he's, he's well, a little fact about Jake. He's like a film director. He directed a film that. You could actually buy Asda. I don't know if he's one of these films that go straight to DVD, but um, like a gangster thing. So he's got plenty of um, irons in the fire. He's had a decent uh, lower league career. Not the most most strike, isn't he? And the National League bid a bit too high for him, but then the Oscars next. <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, I wasn't expecting the Oscars to be mentioned this week, but there you go. Um, this weekend, Dover go to Solihull, Ebbsfleet are off to Halifax, and Bromley go to Tranmere, while Mason are home to Barrow. Full programme on Tuesday night as well. Bromley going to Aldershot, Maidstone off to Bournemouth, Dover at home to Dagenham, and Ebbsfleet are home to Woking. And, and Dagenham's an interesting story, isn't it, at the moment, Matt? Yeah, their main back has pulled out. There's a lot of their players who are just actually... Yeah on the transfer list at the moment. So, Ferrier's gone, Doe's gone, uh, Ling's gone to a late Noria. So, from that point of view, there's a lot of players available. And I'm thinking maybe 
the likes of Ebsley, particularly, and maybe Dover as well, be looking at some of their players and see if they can um, pick them up, to be honest. But maybe it's a good time to play Dagenham at the moment because I don't think they're going to get in the playoffs now and um, we don't have the players getting uh, paid. But Ferro's gone for big money. The rumour is that Cheek's going to go for big money as well. So uh, it's a shame for Dagenham, but once the backer pulls out, They've probably been punching above their weight a little bit when the football league on the gates they're getting. So it does show that, you know, if you've got one big backer and he pulls out, it can cause problems to clubs. Um, in National League South, Dartford suffered back-to-back defeats after an unbelievable finale against Chelmsford City. Darts were leading 1-0 with four minutes left thanks to a wonder goal from Ryan Hayes. Uh, but a controversial penalty got the Clarets level before deep in stoppage time. The visitors won it with a goal direct from a corner. Um, a real blow for the darts. They're still top of the league, but that leads looking a little bit more perilous, isn't it? Yeah, and you can see the celebrations when they meant to the champs for players. At the end of it. Again, Darren Ebram, not the biggest goalkeeper. A good corner floated in. I quite like that Taylor Miles. I saw him at brain training. He went to Lincoln, didn't work out for him. I think he's a good player. Went in the back of the net. Have done. I've been concerned about Darfin. Have they, when they've gone top, I haven't missed the pool clear when they, when they needed to. Chelmsford are no mug, but it brings them back into it. So, yeah, disappointing for the darts. They need to get back on it again from that. But that could be a hammer blow. They need to, you know, two goals in the last four minutes when they were those in control. And you've got to make sure that doesn't affect people's confidence. You have to wonder as well. Apparently, they were livid at the penalty, and, and there were some. Uh... Certainly some comments on social media suggesting that it, it looked very, very harsh. Maybe they lost their heads after that one. And and if that is the case, that would be worrying, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've got experience in the team, Bradbrook and people like that. So maybe maybe the you know, Chelmsford were in there. Maybe they did lose their heads over the penalty. He's got to give it. You've got to move on from that point. You don't have they've got experience players in. But Chelmsford, maybe with that extra bit of quality, they could send something and they got it. Chelmsford, you can see, you know, there's pictures on Chelmsford with the fans and the, and the players really going for it. They know how that big win that is for them. And again, hopefully Dartford just somehow don't look back on that game against uh, uh, Chelmsford in, in April, May time, thinking that's where the season changed. Yeah. Um, well, in United were back in action on Saturday and they lost 3-2 at home to Gloucester City. And I'm being a bit Nostradamus here. There's a pitch inspection about 25 minutes from when we're actually recording this. But I think that their game at Bognor Regis Town on Tuesday night was called off. Um, so we don't need to cover that. Uh, disappointing result for them. This weekend, they're at home to St Albans, which will be a tough game. And Dartford are on the road at Wealdstone, which is also going to be a really tough game for them, isn't it? Yeah, Wealdstone are guy from Hungerford well in there, doing right, doing well in the trophy. Maybe... They're still at the right end of the table. Maybe Dartford's favour. They may rest a few players in the game against Billericay the following week. But Wheelstone is a, a tough old place to, to go in there. I think they're, you know, the, the fans are pretty vociferous down there. It's a game. They're coming thick and fast for Dartford. You think St Albans, Chelmsford, Wheelstone, probably Tony Birmingham. You think now you probably take a point there, but that's a tough old place to go to. And you know, we'll just test the character for the darts there. Yeah, that just leaves our scaffold teams then. And we now know the two teams who will compete in the Kent Senior Trophy final. Um, Whitstall Town put their spot with a 1-0 win over Cray Valley. And they'll face Sheppey United, who won 3-1 at Canterbury City thanks to a first-half hatchet from Dan Bradshaw. Bradshaw's had a great campaign. And after his goal-scoring exports on Saturday, I gave him a quick call to discuss all things Sheppey United, starting, of course, with that hat-trick. A hat-trick in a cup semi-final, that's fantastic, isn't it? It is, mate, yeah. It's, uh, especially when it was first half and all, so we kind of... Put it to bed first half, and also we all went in pretty, uh, pretty confident that we were going to get to the final. Right, so that was good. It was really good. And you must be thrilled that, that you are in the final. That would be a big game for you to look forward to in a month or so. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, bit of silverware in the cabinet and all. It's great for the fans as well. Do you know what I mean? They've backed us so well through this season, even like uh, over the Christmas period, a little bit before that. Didn't exactly have the best of runs, but they stuck with us and backed us through that, so it's good for them as well. I was going to say about the Sheppey fans, I mean, I've been over to Sheppey a few times myself and they don't half make some noise, and to see crowds of that sort of size at, at that level is fantastic, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely at this level, I mean, uh, from all the teams I've played for, there ain't been a patch on the Sheppey fans that we've got. And they're so vocal and all they they really push us through like when when we're in a bit of a battle like act uh, act as a bit of a twelfth man, so no, it's really good to have that sort of backing. And what have you made of the season so far? I mean you do you're doing all right in the league and, and I guess that's a, probably a, a solid season for Sheffield, isn't it? Yeah it is. I mean we started off um really well, like sort of top three. And uh it was just after I think we uh, I can't remember who we lost to. Uh we lost the game anyway and it just crumbled from there really. Um but, I mean we're starting to pick up a little bit of uh, a little bit of pace now, uh, as we're going towards sort of uh the nearing the end of the season line. So, um, but no, it's, yeah, it's, it's solid, solid before, solid season at the moment. I mean, if we can finish sort of top eight, I think the majority of um, the staff will be happy with that, like, and then push on for next season. I was just saying, I mean, the thing is, is now, I mean, obviously, you're probably not going to going to put a run together and sort of go up this year, but if you finish the season strongly at the start of next season, you'll all be buzzing, and, and then you can really build on it and, and go from there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Realistically, I don't think that um, anyone at Sheffield was expecting to go up this season. I think it was more of a building season. Um, but yeah, definitely, if we can, if we can finish sort of top six, everyone will be a bit, everyone will be lifted a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can push on for next season. I actually, have big, big hopes of going up next season. So it's exciting. And you personally, you've been banging them in, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, they my mate Rich Atkins and all. He's been banging and all. I thought I'd have uh, uh, lost him by now, but he seems to be sticking with me, to be honest. But, uh, but now, nah, because I'm playing against him on Tuesday night as well, so it'll be quite nice to see him and have a little bit of a battle going on. So, no, nah, it's good. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with my, with my performance so far this season. Hopefully I can keep notching to the end, and who knows. Is this your best season in terms of goals? Um... Uh, it's sort of maybe on a par lot. I mean, I've scored quite a few goals previous in other seasons, um, but uh, through injuries, stuff like that, like a couple of seasons, broke my ankle and I've done my, I've done my groin and all that sort of stuff. So this is the first season really where I've gone unscathed so far. So hopefully I can notch notch a few more. Touch wood, I don't get any more injuries. And for people who don't know a lot about you personally, you know, where else have you played? Um, so I played at Rochester. Um, I played sort of lower divisions like Gravesham. Uh, I was at Sheppey previous as well, um, but I left them when uh, a couple of seasons ago. Uh, so yeah, I mean, basically just around Kent, really, just around Kent. And obviously, Sheppey United, from what I've seen, you know, you've got a good bunch of lads there. And I guess the one thing that people will want to see more from you is a sort of bit of consistency, because there's been a lot of chopping and changing, hasn't there, this season? Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, I mean, injuries haven't really helped that. I mean, we've had, uh, I think most of our defenders have been injured sort of quite sort of long term, six to eight weeks. So, defensively, we've had to, we've been 
force really to chop and change it. Obviously, a little bit more stability and structure uh, with the squad would help, but sometimes you can't help it through injuries or suspensions or whatever, do you know what I mean? But I think with a little bit more solidity, uh, solid, um, a little bit uh, sort of, do you know what I mean? It will um, it'll improve, like. And you've got some good players there, haven't you? Like, you know, I, I really like your, your centre halves, actually. I like Luke uh, and, and John as well. But, you know, you, you've, you've got the basis of a good side, and, and there's no reason why you can't really push on for the rest of the season and into next. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I mean, we've got a really good sort of a uh, good squad now. And if we can just keep everyone from, from being injured or suspended, uh, I think we really will push on. I think going into next season as well, if we can hang on to uh, the majority of the players we've got here, I think we'll really do things next season as well. Uh, if it was like we would have gelled a lot more, everyone will know each other's game. I think, yeah, no, I think we'll do. We'll push on next season. I think we'll have a good chance of promotion as well. And just finally, that cup final against Whitstable, obviously they're, they're going to be a, a tough proposition, but you're going to take plenty of fans to add on to Maidstone, aren't you, for that one? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I read something earlier a couple of years ago, there was some like eight, eight, 900 fans, something like that, and I think they're hoping to get a bit more this uh, this year. So, But yeah, no, everyone's buzzing for it. I mean, there'll be a tough, uh, tough game, right? I think we drew nil-nil to them um, at home sort of a month ago or so, but both had chances to go on and win it. So, I know it'll be an exciting, tough game right, for both teams. Um, the final is on April the 8th at the Gallagher, Matt, and it should be a really good one. Plenty of fans are going to be there from both clubs, so should be a really good atmosphere. And Dan Bradshaw, I thought he spoke really well there. Actually, he seemed like a really nice fella. Some of the interviews we get, you know, you know, I speak to people like higher up pyramid. The, the people lower down, there's, there's a real rawness about them. They're, you know, he's really so happy about that 16 goals this season, the hat trick in the um, cup semi-final. It shows what it means to them. And I don't really know much about Sheffield, apart from knowing about what you said about them. But it seems a, a, a great little club there. Cup to the cup final. I'm sure they'll take many fans there. So yeah, a really nice interview with him there from that point of view about his career, where he's going from. Really, he enjoys football, and he's an actual goal scorer. Go for there. Actually, in a semi-final, you can never take that away from him. They can't. It is one of those things because, you know, obviously we do hear from a lot of players higher at the Pyramid, a lot of people higher at the Pyramid, and we love hearing from them all, but... You know, I, I doubt Dan Bradshaw has carried out many interviews uh, in his in his footballing career, to be brutally honest. But it's nice to give these people, you know, a, a bit of a chance to chat. And that's why I said to him, you know, tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Because, you know, don't know much about the fellow, but he's he's obviously scored goals from Sheppey. He lives on the island, so, you know, he's, he's quite happy there. It's his local club. And what he was saying there about the future of the club is, is really interesting. You know, they didn't expect to be pushing for promotion this year. They've had a good season. But next year, if they can keep what, the core of what they've got together, two of the big guns are probably going to go out of this league at the top anyway. No one's going to come into it from above. Sheppard United, if they can finish the season strongly, will be well-placed for a push next year. Yeah, uh, they seem to be a, a club on the up from that point of view. But if you said to them at the start of the season, maybe you're, you're going to be mini-table when you get to the cup final, they'll probably take that. The support you said there is very, very good. Um, a, a trophy on you know, Whitstable, you know, it's a tough game against them, against Whitstable, because Whitstable are flying high. Yeah, but I think um, Sheffield United, they're kind of club that you do these pods, so I want to find out a little bit more about them. So maybe um, when you're going again, John, watch pop along and see it, because uh, you say it's a good little atmosphere down there, and there's probably some good players on show. It really is, actually. It is a nice place to watch football. I've said this every time I've been. I've been there three times this season. And it's just a, it's a nice sort of ground. They've got a nice clubhouse. The fans, yeah, they're... they're they get behind their team really well. They've got some quite good songs and stuff. There's plenty of noise. And it is really, you know, it's nice to see that there are clubs. And, you know, getting crowds of 200, 250 at that level every week 
is no mean feat, you know. And they are lucky because of where they are, obviously, because they are the only club on the Isle of Sheppey at, at that sort of level. They haven't really got any rivals, you know, Sittingbourne are a, a couple of divisions higher or a division higher. And, um, you know, they're quite a long way away. But they've got an opportunity to really sort of grow as a club and, and be a community club for that area. You know, you've got the Shearness, you've got Minster, you've got Queenbury, you've got those three sort of places on the island where people, you know, would have an interest in, in the football. And where they are, it is quite hard actually to get, you know, when you factor in getting off the island and over the bridge, you, you're looking at, you know, 15 minutes to, to get to Sittingbourne. And then if you want to go further afield, you to your Maidstones or to your Gillingham. You know, it's quite a long trek. But there, they've got a nice little setup, nice ground. There's nothing not to like about going there, unless, you're, of course, you're an opposition player or manager where you're going to get plenty of stick from their fans. But who's to say that's a bad thing? And it's really good to see a club like that thrive. And they're going to love that cup final. And I'll be at that game, I'm sure. And I'm really looking forward to it already, even though it's like six, eight weeks away. Yeah, I think when you said about that, when I mean, they've been to Cup Final before, they take a lot of fans. So it's a day out. I think I've ever been on the Isle of Sheppey. So um, from that point of view, I, I don't really know much about the area, but the big football club seems to be on the up. And again, maybe they can, you know, harmonise that a little bit. You know, they're on the sort of the on the cusp of Kent, so to speak, on the, you know their own little island down there. Maybe they can get that and get more people going and watch them and getting the trophy through the door be really good. And next season. We'll, Maybe we're a bit early, but maybe next season, watch out for Absolutely. Um, in the league on Saturday, 7-8 stayed top after a 5-0 win at Bearstead. At the other end of the table, Hollands and Blair got just their second win of the season as they beat Tunbridge Wells 3-0. They're also into second place, Beckenham, Lordswood and Glebe, while Corinthian lost a seven-goal thriller to AFC Croydon. Um, that league's pretty full on now, to be honest. It's a full programme on Saturday and four more games on Tuesday night as well. And it's, it's, it's still tight up there, but you just get the feeling that now Seven Oaks have hit their stride a little bit massive win for them on Saturday after that win that I saw obviously at Sheppey the week before you just get the feeling that now is the time for Seven Oaks to just put the foot down and make sure they bring this title home yeah yeah 5-0 some experienced players old Kenny Pokes got a C scored there Frankie Sawyer Byron Walker and Jason Thompson's been around the house as well got the experienced side on that from this division um, yeah they're, they're in the pole position I know they have They've got the points on the board and they've got games in hand as well. So, the opposite to what we were discussing earlier, but can't really see them throwing it away at this rate. They've got over their little bit of blip. So, I'm sure they'll go, they've got a good chance now just just to go on and get into the uh, into the Devon Bostick South League, which I think uh, they'll be an excellent addition to that division. Well, just goes to show what we know, doesn't it? Because I'm now editing this in uh, just after 11 o'clock on Tuesday night. And uh, Seven Oaks, we've just been talking about them, raving about them. Well, they've just suffered their first home defeat of the season, going down to a really surprise 2-1 defeat at home to Irith Town. And they're now actually level on points with Beckenham at the top of the table. Both got 50 points. Beckenham were 40 winners at Sheppey United. So it's very interesting to see this see this now, because we, we were just saying there, you've just heard us talking about it, saying that we really thought it was a good chance for Seven Oaks to kick on. And now they suffered that defeat, so it's so important that Mickey Collins' men bounce back from that. They're, they haven't tasted defeat at home before, they don't concede a lot of goals. That would have been a real hammer blow for them tonight. So very interesting for them this weekend. And of course the other big game on Tuesday night was the Kent Senior Cup semi-final uh, between Maidstone and Bromley. And Maidstone got a much needed win there, 4-2 against against a youngish Bromley side. But you can only beat what's in front of you and, it, and it'll be a massive relief for Jay Saunders that Maidstone have won that game. They're through to the final. Um, they're going to have to wait almost more than a month, in fact, to find out who their opponents will be. It's either going to be Folkestone and Victor 
or Charlton's under-23s. Manchester United are the first team through to the Kent Senior Cup final. So we look forward to seeing how that one pans out. And, and a, a real boost for Jay Saunders. You know, he had some good players scoring tonight. So Mason can push on from there. And hopefully they'll be able to pick up their form. Anyway, back to me because I'm going to wrap up the show now. But thanks for listening as always. Cheers. That's pretty much it for this week. We, we were going to talk about the coldest places to watch a game in Kent. But we've run out of time for this week because obviously we had... The three and two. So we'll do that next week instead, which will definitely amuse me, even if it doesn't amuse anybody else. I will find that very funny to be talking about cold places when we record the show next week. And all of that will be revealed in seven days' time. But do please keep your suggestions coming in of where is the coldest place to watch a game of football in Kent. And, um, you know, in the in the current weather, there's plenty of candidates, but I certainly have got a, a place in mind and, and I'm sure you will have as well, Matt. Yeah, there is some up in some a lot of places in Kent, and yeah, it's always uh, the kind of places it's quite nice in August, or not that nice in August. But when you get to February, March, I think, oh my goodness, I need about fourteen layers. But that, that's what football's all about, really. You know, it doesn't matter. You might moan about it, but you you love going. It doesn't matter about the cold too much. But there is some cold places uh, out and about out there. Excellent. I assume you're um, you got Saturday off, have you? Because uh, the, the whites are far away. Yeah, I could be going to uh, a well-known Swedish. Uh, furniture store, so that's exciting for me. So yeah, what we have to I'll uh, turn my phone on at five o'clock, and hopefully the um, good good Kent side, hopefully good result for my team as well because we need it really. It's some gloom and crap at the moment. Yeah, well, don't get don't get lost in that well-known uh, Swedish shop because uh, that'd be an absolute nightmare, wouldn't it? Um, uh, not really anything else to say. I, I see that um, our beloved uh, representative on Channel uh, E4 dating program, uh, Celebs Go Dating, is not making any friends because I, I just saw a, t- a trend on Twitter saying that everybody hated him and he's got no personality. Um, as I'm not watching it, I can't comment. But Matt, I know you're a massive fan, so I'm sure you've got plenty to, to say about it. I'll give you uh, 15 seconds. Uh, I haven't watched uh, Celebrities Go Dating at the moment, uh, but apparently, yeah, he's not doing himself any favours if you um, see on social media. My source here has just stated that they haven't watched it either, but uh, we'll try and get something next week. But um, yeah, I think um, you, don't, you don't want to bleep anything out again, but I think he's being a bit of a, a numpty <laughs> rather than that's the, uh, the loose, the uh, clean version of what I can say. Yeah, really don't try too hard to get something for next week. It'll be absolutely fine because <laughs> we'll get some interviews about football instead, which will be much better. Um, anyway, that Maybe is we it. we get him on one, one week, could we? He must be all. We have to go through his PR people. Oh, I don't know, probably. If he ever kicks a football again... For, for a, a club in Kent, then we'll definitely try and get him on. But uh, yeah. when that will be, no one knows. He's clearly taken a, a year-long sabbatical from uh, from non-league football because he'd rather be in nightclubs and dating people and, and pretending to be a celebrity. So um, there you go. But that is it for this week's show. I hope you've That's enjoyed it. George Best, then, is he? Well, yeah, possibly. There's another comparison <laughs> that you shouldn't really be making, should you? But... Um, that is it for this week's show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to the interviews that we had. Um, obviously, Lloyd and, and Tony down at Cray and, and Dan for chatting to me on, on Monday night after a day that he'd been spending with his kids on half term. Um, so that was really good of him and really enjoyed chatting to them all. And I hope you've all enjoyed listening. Thanks as always to everyone for listening. Um, We'll be back with you next week. Until then, we're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast, on Facebook at Kent Non-League. And uh, if you've got anything that you want us to talk about on the show, feel free to drop us a tweet. Um, I'm always on Twitter, as, as my other half will tell you. I'm, I'm spending far too much time looking at all that 
all that nonsense. But we're, we're more than happy to take on any conversation topics that you'd like us to discuss. Um, but until then, we shall speak to you all next week. Have a good weekend wherever you end up watching a game. Thanks a lot. Happy Valentine's.